What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Disclaimer! The following episode contains spoilers for Lightyear. Don't go crying to your mum if we spoil it for you. You've been warned. Welcome to Podcapers, the official podcast of A Place to Hang Your Cape. And this week, there's a star man waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us, but he didn't blow our minds. We're talking about Lightyear! Cue the music! Hello there, capers, and as I said, welcome to Pod Capers, the official podcast of a place to hang your cape. My name's Scott James Merridue, and this is the show where we talk about various geek and nerd-related topics, and I'm joined each week by a very special different guest. Our guest today is a newcomer on the show. Indeed, this is his first podcast ever. Let's give it up for Craig Wexler. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for having me. It is so great to have you on, but I'm afraid we must begin with two apologies. First and foremost, where the hell has Scott been all these months? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I mentioned the last episode we did that I was dealing with some issues and that Podcapers would return, but we weren't sure when that was going to be and we would try to do the best we could. Best we could involved doing an episode uh, reviewing the new Doctor Strange movie where the audio got corrupted. After that, I ended up moving flats, a bit of a life change scenario. Also, like I said, I've been working on myself and just getting better in a good mental headspace. And so that's why it's taken up to now to get episodes out. But we are pushing full steam ahead and we are hoping to get back to a regularly or at the very least semi-regular schedule upload. As per usual, Pod Capers has returned, I promise. Second apology... I'm unwell! Yay! I had a bit of a... I've, last few days, I've had quite a bad throat. And then about two days ago, it developed into a full-blown cold. So I've basically been in my bed all day for the past two days, longing for the sweet release of death. It's not been fun. I'm still not well now. So if you hear me sneeze, hear me cough, or hear me uh, take a big drink of water, that's why. Okay, nothing we can do about that. What we can do, though, is change topics to something much more fun. Talking about you, Craig. How are you? Who are you? What are you? <laughs> uh, hi, Scott. It's uh, nice to be here. Uh, like I said, my name is Craig Wexler. I'm new with uh, A Place to Hang Your Cape. Uh, I graduated college uh, not too long ago, and so I find myself out in the world looking for something to do uh, to make money to support myself because that's what we all have to do, right? And that's so, what, according to the government, that's what I have to do. Yeah, 
it's I it's unfortunate. I feel like nobody's ever asked to be born, and yet we're all thrust into the universe. And then at a certain age, they said, "Well, now you need to go get a job." I don't really want a job. I like watching TV and movies. Somebody wanted to pay me directly for watching TV and movies. That'd be great. So I ended up with, uh, you know, a place to hang your cape, which doesn't pay me, but potentially uh, somebody else might pay me uh, to do something like this at some point down the road. Like I said, I'm, I'm new at all of this. Uh, so I'm an avid nerd. Uh, you know, I've got the communicator badge from Star Trek tattooed on my chest. I've oh. got lightning bolt in the right place position. I'm assuming. Yes, right there. There you know, we go. In the right position. I have the I have the Deep Space Nine one because uh, Captain. Because that's Sitka. the best one. It's the best one. Also, I live in New Orleans, like Captain Benjamin Lafayette Cisco is from. You know. Wait, so. wait. His middle name was Lafayette. Lafayette. That's his middle name. Really. Really? That seems problematic as fuck. Well, I mean, it's a popular name here in New Orleans. Uh, Lafayette Square, Lafayette Street, so on and so forth. And think about it. He's not born until the year, like, 24-something, right? So at this point, I think that everybody's gotten over... You know, we've got bigger fish to fry. I mean, right. I, right. This is a whole I other believe subject. I didn't know that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be thinking about that for a long time. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad I could mess with your head a little bit. Um, I mean, in fairness, it doesn't take much to do that. My mind regularly gets boggled all the time. Enough. And in fact, there's been a lot of things boggling my mind in recent times, such as this new film, Lightyear, which we are going to talk about. But before we talk about that. We need to discuss the news. So, Craig, I have three pieces of news for you. Do you want the good one, the bad one, or the one that might be good or bad, depending on your perspective? I always say go with bad news first. Okay, there's a new trailer for the live-action Pinocchio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, Craig and Chase, I didn't mention this to you before. We are allowed to swear in this show, so I'm oh. going to be the first to say, oh, fuck, oh, shit, oh, Christ, oh, cunt. That sounds terrible. It is, it is. I mean, first of all, I this is. I know it's a teaser trailer. I know it's a teaser trailer, so they're going to tease us with Pinocchio. But at the same time, I'm getting big, 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 big Will Smith as the genie vibes from this because we never see Pinocchio directly. We just see like his silhouette or his outline or a little bit from him behind and I just know that this is going to be weird and wrong and the CGI is going to be all fucked up and who's directing this? Robert Zemeckis! Oh God! Robert uh, Zemeckis? Really? Yeah, I mean don't wow. know. I love oh, Robert Zemeckis. have fallen. I, I love him. I think he's a fantastic director. It's just his foray into CGI and motion capture was the down point of his career. And it was so much better when he started doing live action again. Here's the thing, though. He included two actors that he's worked with before. Tom Hanks, who he's worked with on Polar Express. Crap. And also um, Robert... No, no, no. Gordon... Joseph, no, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's right. his fucking name. Uh, who we work with on The Walk, which is an excellent live-action film. 
and it's just like he's drawing and now this film is both a combination of live action and CGI so it's like he's taking both his high point and his low point together and smushing it into some weird abominable mutant hybrid brought to life by the Boo Fairy yeah it sounds nightmarish to me uh I don't know why you would want to do a live action I think I saw something about that on Facebook and I assumed it was just a meme I thought somebody I think you might have been I think that might have been referenced into a more recent Pinocchio film. I think it's called <laughs> Pinocchio the True Story, something starring that incomparable thespian, the height of acting talent, Paulie Shaw. Wow. Paulie Shaw, the weasel. The weasel. Wow, I hadn't thought about him since nineteen ninety seven. I mean, no one has, but apparently he's still around and he made a Pinocchio movie, which gained international memedom just by the trailer by him saying, Father, when am I going to get out and move on my own? I've got the whole world to see. I can't even. That is like a tenth of the whininess, 90s-ness and slight campiness of Paulie Shaw's line delivery throughout the entire movie. It is truly be- wonderful to behold in its shittiness. Right, right. It's like a train wreck. It's it's so bad you can't look away. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that same same thing goes with anything involving Paulie Shaw. But it, <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think anyone took that movie that seriously. No one tried their best with that movie. In the new live-action Pinocchio, they're going to try. And it's going to fail. Because that's what happens with all of these live-action reboots. You referenced Will Smith as Genie. I have to tell you, I actually love that. Will Smith as the Genie? I thought the the dance number, the... uh, uh, Prince of Alibaba or whatever. I thought that was brilliant. Mr. Hey, what's your name? Whatever. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Here, okay, so I, I made my points clear on Will Smith in that movie before, but just for a quick recap, I thought he was very good when he was allowed to be Will Smith's version of the genie. Because what right. made Robin Williams so great was because they built the character around him. He was their first and only choice. The way they got him to agree to it was by going up to him and saying, hey, we want you to be in this movie of ours. Here's how we want you to do it. Because they then showed showed him a bunch of clips from his stand-up that they'd animated like complete new animations around the genie right. just from like his stand-up and he loved it so much that's why he agreed to be part of it not that, that stopped him from stabbing him in the back long story i won't get into that but uh, i have a big problems with the aladdin live action movie but will smith for the most part is not one of them Having said that, my thoughts on Will Smith of late have changed somewhat due to certain events that, frankly, we cannot discuss for fear of going down a rabbit hole, which would take up the whole episode. Yeah, let's not even go there. I guess my thing about the the Aladdin reboot is just it came out very shortly before the Lion King reboot, which when you compare the two, Aladdin is just... Head and shoulders above the other one. The Lion King actually even get What isn't compared to that dreck of a film? I mean, anything. The Again, the Paulish or Pinocchio movie is better than the new live-action Lion King. At least it tried to do something different. Oh, God. But, like, there was a talking horse in it. Don't, we're not able to... Voiced by John Hader. Like the Napoleon Dynamite. I don't know why. But anyway, that's the first bit of news. Let's quickly move off of that into the good news. We are going to get from the newly minted Avatar Studios three new Avatar The Last Airbender animated films. Okay, that is exciting. 
It is really good. Lots of people who worked on the original show are returning. Uh, it's going to be... Um, uh, the first three movies are going to be directed by Lauren Montgomery, who worked on the previous show and Legend of Korra. And she's also going to get assistance from the two guys who created the show, whose names I can never remember to... How do you pronounce? It's Brian something and Michael something. I don't know the creators. I, I'm not super familiar. I thought you were going to say, you said Avatar. I thought you were going to start talking about the new Avatar movie. I didn't watch Ugh. too much Airbender. I know it's out there on one of the streaming networks that I, I have. I don't know if it's Disney or Netflix or. Well, oh, oh, hang on. It's Nickelodeon. That's part of what makes it so great because it's not associated with any of those other trash corporations. Oh, I mean, must... Nickelodeon has its own problems. I get that. But again, this is going to be. Now Avatar's grown so big. Now it's becoming so multimedia franchise. They've sort of branched out and become this whole Avatar Studios thing, which is great. I mean, I always get a little bit worried whenever a studio is just focused on one particular kind of franchise but the great thing about avatar is the world they created is so vast and so expensive and has so many uh potential for telling different kinds of stories they don't mind it so much and i mean you could just see that with again avatar last airbender the novels uh legend of Korra, which i maintain is still a good show i don't know how familiar you are with that uh craig but it's i i personally think it's quite a good show these even great fan content there's a great new web series out right now called the legend of genji completely fan uh beat it was a fan web comic and it's really 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 cool i highly recommend people look that up but yeah we're getting three new avatar the last airbender movies and i am just so pleased as punch about that it is gonna be really cool whatever they come up with i'm hoping they go into like the history of the avatar maybe the future maybe who knows maybe genji will become an actual licensed creation but i don't know how that would work legally speaking but uh, it'll be interesting no matter what they do they're getting the talent back and it will be really cool to see as opposed to the new live action avatar the last end of the series which is pointless to exist there's, a, there's some things that you just don't need to make live action. For example, mm, I don't know, Pinocchio. Yes, thank you. We're tying it all together. I mean, my big thing with the, this is the problem with all of these things, but in particular, the new live a action Avatar The Last Airbender show. Best case scenario, it's as good as the original, which is possible. And maybe you might be able to do a few things differently in new and interesting ways. That might be fine. But... Worst case scenario, it will be compared unfavorably like that previous live action Avatar The Last Airbed project, which we do not mention. Oh, it's, yeah, M. Night Shyamalan, no, no, no. You know, you know what I never watched? Was, didn't they make a live action uh, Dragon Ball Z movie at one point? <laughs> yeah, yes. I didn't watch yes. that either. Because again, some things are made animated because... And cartoon physics is a real thing, and you can't make cartoon physics in a live-action movie. Yeah, it, it it adds an extra layer of uncanny vanity-less to it. It's it, it that's a they're two different mediums. Yes, the most visual mediums, but two completely different styles that don't work well to each other. Once in a while, they can maybe have a little bit of crossover. The only example I can really think of is the mask, but even then, that was designed to you know not look good you know it was designed the live action mask was they they did certain special effects that in the 90s made it look kind of cartoony for yeah. a live action movie 
Yes. There's a big difference between that and trying to actively and proactively, or with all seriousness, emulate uh, designs from uh, cartoon or animated shows or movies and then translate that into live action. But anyway, we've discussed that long enough. Now it's time to go to the big meat of the thing, the thing which may be good or bad, depending on your perspective. HBO, I believe it is HBO, uh, yes, they have greenlit and is in development a Jon Snow sequel television series. Yeah. Who asked for this? It wasn't me. It wasn't, it wasn't me. me either. Look, look, they ended it. They they ended the whole thing. They they did it before. What's his name? J.R.R. Um, Martin. Martin. George R.R. Martin. Martin. You're thinking George of Tolkien. George R.R. Martin. Before he finished his final book and HBO went out and they did a season eight and c- concluded it anyway and everybody hated it. Okay, look, it's yeah. been two years, so spoilers. Uh, you know, we went the last three episodes. We had a different main villain in each one. I didn't like the ending. I didn't. I didn't spend my time go. You know, writing about it or complaining about it. I, w- I wasn't a big fan of the ending. But nobody yeah, that had. Work out. What's that? That was that was the sound effect. Yeah, that didn't work out. I think it was appropriate. Everyone's exactly. yeah, it after. didn't work out. But but now, why are you going to go back and say, oh, we want eight more seasons of Jon Snow north of the wall? Pass. Hard pass. I mean, the best case scenario, it's like a Dexter New Blood miniseries. But then we all remember the mixed reaction that that miniseries got. So why do it? And I thought, like, you know, Kit Harrington had moved beyond this. He's off being like Black Knight and some shit. He doesn't need this. Right. I don't know why Kit Harrington would even agree to it. I think it's because maybe he and the other creators wanted to make it sort of like as a redemption for Game of Thrones. But we've already got the House of the Dragon coming out later on this year, which has got some people pretty excited. And best of all, the way that show might work better than Game of Thrones did was because that whole story has already been laid out in its entirety by the uh, expanded sort of historical book, in big quotation marks, uh, Fire and Blood, uh, written by, again, George R. R. Martin. So we already know how that's going to end. They've got the complete story, but it's written in a way that means they can do sort of whatever they like with it as long as they follow the main plot beats, meaning they can have a much more cohesive story that they want to tell. A Jon Snow series, I mean, there is no basis for that as far as I'm aware in George R. R. Martin's works. So... What would even be the point? Just him bumming around uh, in, in the, the snow? snow? He's just going to walk around the snow for eight seasons. Well, hopefully not eight seasons, but yeah. I, I saw something online that said, he, you know what a better idea is? Let's follow Arya going off into like the unknown regions wherever she goes and see what sort of monsters she ends up fighting. That That'd would be make cool. so much more sense. And everybody, would, I mean, I would watch that. I would, I would sooner watch an Arya show than a Jon Snow show. Not because I liked Arya better than Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. They were both great characters. But his story's over. He went north of the Wall... He's going to live out the rest of his life with the wildlings. Hopefully he'll find another redhead and, you know, have a happy life. But Arya is going out on adventures. She's like, what's west of Westeros? Well, that's a great question, Arya. Let's go find out. I would watch that. I know what's north of the wall, a bunch of ice and zombies, except now the zombies are gone. So it's just ice. (laughs) What do we do with the intricate politics of the wildlings? We kind of already seen that. And I don't know about you, Greg, but I'm over it. Yeah. So, yeah, I I agree. 
This is the this is stinks purely of HBO trying to get their cash cow back. Because it James Thrones for eight seasons, regardless of what you think of season seven, season eight, it was their cash cow. It was a flagship show. It's what put them on the map in the modern day. And then it went away and it went. So now they're desperate to get it back, but they've already got it back with House of the Dragon, kind of. But maybe they. Here's my big worry. What do they think that House of the Dragon is going to bomb the same? What if they have no confidence in it? In which case, they again the back it with something that they know what people like, you know, lovely, sexy Kit Harrington. <laughs> well, it's too bad that they killed off uh, what her name was, Ygritte. Yeah. Um, because I think well, she's they, they... the time traveler's wife. She's fine. Oh, she is. And I watched the time tra- traveler's wife. Actually, it's the movie or the new show. The new show. It's very depressing. Yeah, it's. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it forgets that it's depressing, and just like, okay, show. We just went from that one scene to this one scene, and you kind of need to bridge that we're getting a sort of a bambi after his mum got shot vibe hidely tweedily dum 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 we anyway we we bring that back now we're going back to disney or should i say pixar but before we do that we've got some ads check them out lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess ah in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus and now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. So light year. I was really, really looking forward to this because it's Pixar. And I, in my head, I remove Pixar from Disney just for the sake of my own personal sanity. I don't think every single movie Pixar has ever done has been good. But uh, for the most part, I think they still hold up. Most of the movies do, even some of the more modern ones. I still have yet to see, actually, Luca. I never actually ended up seeing that. I was too depressed after seeing Onward, because I did not I did not like Onward. But uh, I really liked Soul. I thought that was good. So I was designed to see this, and I thought, yeah, this kind of makes sense. And I like the way that they sort of market it and build it as... In fact, they show that right at the beginning of the movie. They show it as, like, so in 1995, Andy went to see a movie. This is that movie based on Buzz Lightyear. That's a genius concept. That's a genius idea. This movie does not feel like a movie made in 1995 at all. I kind of wish that they'd gone with that vibe to say, oh, hey, look how much we've gone from this. But uh, maybe make a bit tongue-in-cheek, but for maybe like an hour and a half Pixar movie, maybe that wouldn't have worked. So 
uh, this is the movie we got, and you know, I can see why they went this way. And for the most part, it's okay. There are some bits that are really good, and some bits that are okay, and some bits that are fucking disappointing. But we're going to get into all of that. Now, here's the thing. We talked about this briefly before we started recording, so I'll just uh, recap for that for you capers. Uh, I saw Toy Story, probably not when it was first released, but a little bit later on. I don't think I saw it in the cinema, but I did catch it on a video cassette VHS when I was a little kid because this was back in the days when my parents were not very media conscious so they just slapped random Disney shit on for us and assumed it would be fine for the most part it was not but Toy Story was the exception because this was actually a really really cool movie and I actually did end up seeing Toy Story 2 in the theatre as well as every subsequent one after that although Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4 were when I was pretty much not a child anymore but Craig you've only seen the one Toy Story film so I clearly am a bit older than you I remember seeing Toy Story the original one in the movie theatre I think I was about 19 years old and I had done some psychedelic mushrooms before we had gone to the theater. Whoa, why are the toys alive, man? Exactly. And I, I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was brilliant. But again, I think I was about 18, 19 years old when the first one came out. And I, I never got around to watch it. I, maybe on Disney at one point, I might have watched the second or third one, but maybe kind of as background than like really getting into it. Uh, but I did, I like the story, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I like the concept, the little blank screen at the beginning, and you got a toy in 1995, and it was based on a movie, and this is that movie. You're right, though. This isn't a movie that would have come out 20-some-odd years ago. Um, I no, love Socks. Socks oh, was the best part of it. Just wanted to get right into that before. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. With Socks... Okay, we will get to Socks, but right now I will say this about Socks. When I first saw Socks in the trailer and everything like that, I uh, assumed that I would loathe this character. I thought he would be annoying. He was probably my favorite character. He's the best one. He's far and away the best one. Uh, if you want, we can hold on. I'm sorry if I'm jumping the gun, getting straight to Socks, but... It's okay, you're best... new. I am new. I am new. Um, He was the best part of the movie. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we might as well get out of the way. This should have been called Socks instead of like, yeah, make the movie about him. Just oh. a pretty chill therapy robot cat. I've never seen that film. So No, no, the, the the title was wrong too. Look, my theory was this. Why not call it To Infinity and Beyond? That should have been the title of the movie. I used to have this girlfriend, I used to date this girl, right? And I'd say, I love you. And she'd say, oh, I love you more. And I'm like, I mean, you no, know, you're not going to beat me. I, lo I love you to infinity and beyond. That should have been yeah. the name of the movie. I mean, yeah. I mean, there was a sort of companion documentary thing on uh, Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus shit these things out every time they get a new release. All the making of this. And it's basically, it's basically a DVD extra, you know, they used to get in DVDs before... Right we suddenly burnt all those in the great DVD Blu-ray fire of 2019. I remember that day, the smoke curling up to the sky, the fires licking the very clouds themselves. I handed over my DVD of the Muppet Christmas Carol and I said, I don't want to do this, but they snatched it from my hand. I miss you, Muppet's Christmas Carol on DVD! I miss you! <laughs> Anyway, so Scott, yeah, gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay. 
It'll be okay. I don't Tragic. even have a DVD player anymore. I have. I, I I just use like my PS5 or my PS4 or, or you know right. if I'm feeling particularly desperate my PS3 because like my laptop doesn't do it anymore. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm f- I like streaming. I like the accessibility, but I still have um, several drawers of DVDs, and I still occasionally get the old DVD of something that I really want to own, just so I can brag about owning it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I have, in fact, got the original TV show Police Files, Z Squad, whatever it's called, with uh, Leslie Nielsen. I've got that. Do you have that? No, you just watch Airplane that one time. I used to watch Police Files on Nickelodeon when that was a thing. That was on Nickelodeon? Nick at Night had all oh. the old classics. They had Police Files. They had Dragnet. They oh. had, uh, I mean, all the old classics. I think they played Laverne and Shirley at one point. Okay. So, I was, again, I, I, again, showing my age, because when I grew up, like, like half of my childhood was analog TV and the other half was digital TV. But even when we got digital TV, again, it wasn't until I was a teenager before it was just like, hey, you know, there's more than four channels. Who knew? I, I mean, there, there, at one point, but I mean, when I was a kid, we had to walk through six feet of shag carpet to change the channel. Oh, yeah. Turn the, the knob. Uh, I think it might have... No, I, I don't remember that even when I was a kid. But then again, I never paid attention when I was a kid. We were talking about Lightyear at one point. So, that's the framing device. That's how we start. And then we go into the movie itself. And we're greeted to a big pod in space. I believe it's called the Turnip. The Turnip. I mean, that's uh, what I would call it, in fairness. So the thing about this movie, I'm a little conf- confused about exactly what's going on. So they're all in the turnip, but like 98% of them are in like a cryo freeze. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure why. Well, I thought later on in the movie that would tie into something else, but it didn't. And we're going to get into that later. That's um, problem with the movie that does not become apparent until much later. But anyway, then we're tre- treated to Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear. And i got to say, he is probably the perfect choice for this. I agree. Because he is recognizably, in his voice, Buzz Lightyear. But he doesn't sound like an impersonation of Tim Allen. Right. Um, I, I just, quite frankly, like... Chris Evans more than Tim Allen, with the exception yeah. of uh, Galaxy Quest. Yes, that is the exception. Yeah, that's Me the neither. one exception. The only uh, thing I knew fan. him from was Galaxy Quest, Toy Story, and I watched briefly that sitcom he did called Last Man Standing for a few episodes before I realized, oh, this is quite toxic. Yeah, he's a... I, I mean, I don't know the guy personally, but I, you know... I didn't like his overly uh, testosterone type. Um, when I was a kid, I watched his other sitcom. Home Improvement? Or something. Home Improvement. Uh, I've heard it. Very overly... Ma- I mean, I, 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 like, I'm a guy. I like being masculine, but I think he's over the top with it. He's all like... And, <gasps> that's right, the noise exactly. he makes, right? <laughs> and uh, Chris Evans being being Captain America, like I feel that that's a similar kind of role or projection of your voice, right? You know, yeah. Buzz Lightyear, the authoritative, all American sort of thing right. that Buzz Lightyear was sort of meant to be parodying in his original incarnation. Yeah, exactly. so it works, but he can also add an extra layer of humanity that 
maybe wasn't necessarily there before, although I might go into that a little bit later on. And uh, it just like, I listen to him and I think, that's Buzz Lightyear. And I, I don't think, oh, that's someone desperately trying to be Tim Allen. And this, bear in mind, this is not the first time Tim Allen has been recast. Again, this is what I wanted to get into because there was a similar project several years ago. It was a TV show, an animated show in 2D called Buzz Lightyear Star Command. And it was ba- billed as sort of like a tie-in TV show to the toy in the Toy Story universe. That's how they build it. So this one's sort of building on that sort of premise with this movie being like the original thing, then came the toy, and then came that cartoon show. And in that cartoon show, I believe he was voiced by Patrick Warburton, I think. And I remember seeing quite a bit of that. I even had the, again, showing my age, I had the video game of it. I had the Game Boy Color video game of it. I used to play that all the time because it's actually a pretty good video game for the Game Boy Color, at least. Uh, So this is the thing. Whenever someone says, oh, this movie is completely unique in this regard, I have to say, well, like, it's not fair to compare this movie to that cartoon show because they're very different in lots and lots of different ways. But this is a concept that has been done slightly before. That doesn't make it a bad concept being used in this one. It just means it has been used before. And that, sadly, with the key phrase you will hear throughout this review, something we've seen before. There are some new things in this movie, but there's a lot of things that aren't new. I give it a temporary pass because, don't forget, this is a movie aimed towards children who may not be familiar with a lot of these tropes or repeated plot ideas and things like that. But it's also aimed at people like you and I who first watched the original movie and remember it with, at the very least, fond memories, if not outright nostalgia. Pixar and indeed Disney in particular are very keen to cater to two audiences at the same time because they want to double their demographics all the time. Both young children who aren't familiar with these characters and older generations appealing to their brand recognition and their nostalgia who are familiar with these characters. That's the basis of all of their live action movies and this is no exception. That doesn't preclude it from being good, but it is something that they are doing. But in fairness, it starts off okay. Like I said... Uh, Buzz Lightyear is activating the Terminus. He's like, oh, there's an unexplored planet nearby. Well, I know we're off on this big, huge mission right now doing... But side note, we never find out what that mission is. We don't know why they're all in this hyperspeed. We don't know why they're flying through space. We don't know what their goal or their objective is. We don't know if they're just going to pick up space groceries or anything like that. No, they're just going through space and then they see Unenchanted Planet and thought, hey, let's check it out because that won't be what we do. Right, right. Right, that's that's why sentiments exactly. We didn't really find out what what was going on in the first place. They take this uh, side route uh, to a very dangerous planet that's trying to eat them constantly. Uh, and there's, it's not that I didn't like the movie; it was fun. And again, like you said, it was geared towards children. But I feel there's a lot of details and to the plot that are just left up to the imagination i wonder what they were doing i wonder how they got so far away i wonder why they stopped in the first place i guess that's that's straight back to star trek and as i mentioned i'm a big star trek fan so i mean let's face it the entire run of voyager was them uh, we really have to get this way but let's stop and see this anyway 
But we had context for that. And, you know, they were key. And we, here's the thing. We, A, we know how Stark, not Stark, man, fucking the Federation, Starfleet. Starfleet. Yeah. We know how they work. And if we don't remember how they work, they are keen to remind us at every available opportunity. True. But in this movie, we get, despite it being a Buzz Lightyear movie, we get very little insight into his origins, into his, well, we get a little bit of his motivations, but we don't get how Star Command works or anything like that. And just a little bit of context. We get context later on in the movie for the events that are happening right in front of us, but not for how we got here. Right. And I, I feel like we could have had, like, again, going back to Star Trek, remember the reboot of Star Trek that everyone loves uniformly? Well, maybe we could have had like a couple of scenes right at the beginning of that detailing Buzz growing up and enlisting in Star Command or something like that. <laughs> a bar fight? Maybe, maybe. And then he meets like Grizzly Man, who's obviously too young to play Bones. I don't know. It's... <laughs> Oh man, I love Carl Urban though. He's great. I do love Carl Urban. He, he, he can do any role. Introducing the C word to all Americans one episode of The Boys at a Time. I don't know why I said the C word when I said that word myself earlier. I didn't want to overload you with C words. I know being American, that makes you just a little bit sensitive to it. I, I'm, I'm fine with all the words. C word, F word, B word, whatever. It's A-word. part of my culture. I'm part English and part Scottish. That, that's the thing. In here, Over here, cunt is a friendly greeting. Yes. Right. I'm not even joking. But okay, so again, back back to Buzz. Maybe that that could have worked or something, just a little bit. A quick little two minute, three minute, maybe even five minute max montage detailing why he is where he is. Uh, but no, we get it explained to us later on in the movie a little bit about his motivations. Not his origins, but his motivations. Screenwriting 101, I will never, t- well, I will tire, but I will keep on saying this. I learned this first week of my screenwriting course when I was doing, uh, when I went to university. Show, don't tell. You can right. tell us all you like about why Buzz is the way he is, but you know what? I just want to see it because film is a visual medium. But anyway, and so he lands back on the, he lands on the planet and immediately it kind of got me a little bit though, because it's like, Star Command, come in Star Command. Why don't they answer in the exact inflection that Tim Allen first did in that movie? And it was just like, oh, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And I love it. Yeah. It's, it works. It was good. And you're right. Uh, you mentioned earlier that, you know, Chris Evans isn't trying to imitate Tim Allen. And for the, the and you're right, except for that one line right there. He was doing it exactly the way Tim Allen did it in the original well, Toy Story. But again, he was doing it with the same cadence, the same inflection, not trying to intimidate his voice. Right, so sure. It's, it's, it's about the rhythm, not matching it note for note at the very least. But anyway. Yeah. And so he's on, it's a running joke throughout the thing that he likes to do his own, like, voice logs to potentially know what He's always narrating. And I, I kind of like that. That was kind of cute. And I feel like they could have made it like he was actually recording it instead of just talking to no one. But it's lovingly made fun of by his best friend, Alicia Hawthorne, played by Uzo Duba, who I am convinced can do no wrong. Yeah, she's she's brilliant. And she was great in this. I I really got their chemistry right away. And that's hard to do when you're in two separate voice booths, as I assume they were. Sometimes you can get voice actors in the same booth together. Most of the time you can't. And so that's a mark of a good voice director, I will say. Forget about the actors. That's a mark of a good voice director to get, get those performances separately from people. But it just shows 
they have really good chemistry, the two actors, and these two characters have really good chemistry. I dig their vibe. I, I can tell that they're friends from straight away, but they also respect each other quite a bit, and she's not afraid to call him out of his behavior, like his uh, fear of working with a rookie played by a Bill Hader, of all people. Now... As soon as I saw that, I immediately cringed in with it and I thought, oh joy, another story about how the hero has to learn to work with others. <laughs> Again, we've seen this. This is patented trope that's been done to death number one <laughs> of many in this Green. movie. Yeah, yeah, it was... And he's so obvious about it too. He like literally says, "Oh, I just do it by myself. Do it by myself." We we've seen this story a million times. Oh, here's our you know our our hero, and he has to learn how to work with other people that uh, surround him because, quite frankly, we need other characters. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> we we've seen it to death again. We've already mentioned it's it's geared towards children. I think everybody in the theater that I saw it with that was under the age of sixteen loved it. Under the that's a pretty big demographic over the age of sixteen. That's like ninety oh, percent of the population of the planet, unfortunately. Goddamn baby right. boomers. Yeah, uh, I I didn't hate the movie. I thought it was fun. I didn't hate the movie either, but I, we'll get into that. We'll get I, again. I don't want to go into that. So uh, they're having a little chat about. Oh, I don't want to work with Rudy. Oh, you got to work with the rookie. And meanwhile, the rookie is being killed by plant monsters. So I know when he disappeared on the elf, I thought, holy crap, did they just kill off Bill Hader? That's kind of dark. But no, he turns up a little bit later on, and it's just like, for sure. I kind of um, wish they had killed him off, just like just casually and brutally in the background. Bill Hader's dead now. Not that I don't like Bill Hader or anything. It's just like this character. Oh, by the way, he has a really stupid name. <laughs> well, I like the whole thing about the, the name is so hard to pronounce that he's pretty much only referred to as Rookie throughout the entire movie because every time they try to say his name, Federer, it just turns out Federer. <laughs> he's Roger Federer. That's who he is. Roger Federer. <laughs> but it's Featherman. I'm already bored of the joke. I say already. I was bored with it when they first mentioned it. But anyway, turns out the planet is uh, full of hostile alien life forms, specifically plants and bugs. So they start running away from that. Buzz tries to uh, escape, but he accidentally crashed the ship. But he's all like, oh, I made a mistake. Oh, I'm the worst. Yabba -dabba -da. And I keep on wondering, like, okay, did you make a mistake or was it just an impossible scenario? Because right. If he had made a mistake due to his own hubris, that would be something else. That could set up a nice character arc. But it seemed like anyone else would have done the same thing and the results would have been the same. So, I mean, it's I get it. He beats himself up over a mistake and that's his arc, but that's nowhere near as interesting as, you know, a moment of hubris on his part. I don't know. Well, there's the scene there uh, trying to climb. They're trying to escape the atmosphere, right? And there's... They're, they're, they're about to hit the cliff face. Yeah. And the rookie, I believe, is like, oh, should I get into the, the you know, the co-pilot seat and help? And, and Lightyear is like, oh, I can do it. I can do it. I don't think, regardless of the fact that the rookie was like, oh, can, should I help? I don't think he could. At that position, he was holding on for his life. He was holding on to the edge of the chair, kind of because of the G-forces. 
whether he wanted to or not, I think everybody did everything in their power to escape the planet. And it was just, as you say, an impossible situation. So he's going to spend the whole rest of the movie beating himself up over it because he's the hero. Um, we, like you said, we've seen. I mean, this. What, what could that, could that have Ricky have, even if he had been able to get into that chair? What could he have done? Pull up on another joystick even more to get even more vertical right. lift? That's not how that works. I don't right. think. Uh, or maybe it could have been how it worked, and he's just like, no, I don't need you because you're going to fuck it up somehow. And then he's like, well, what if he didn't fuck it up? That will be a very weirdly rated movie for a Pixar film if they said fuck. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so they crash, and they're just like, oh, crap, we're all here. Now we've got to start building. Cut to a year later. They're constructing a hyper drive test to see if they can find a way to get off the planet and okay that's going pretty well and he tries to do the hyperdrive testal thing it's a really cool intense scene oh by the way he doesn't like autopilots right Ugh, i don't care and so then he but the, so the fuel fails and nothing wrong with that by the way don't let my tone of voice suggest otherwise again i'm a little bit ill um because that whole scene was really exciting it looked really cool. And the animation, I want to say, in this whole movie is flawless. Yeah, well, Pixar is always going to do a good job with the animation. Hmm. But then he gets back to the planet. It's just like, oh, you weren't gone for four minutes. You were gone for four years because of time dilation. That thing that Star Trek likes to ignore. And we all like it that way. Agreed. And- which breaks the question okay so time dilation the idea that the faster you move the more time slows down for you go watch interstellar that focuses on it a lot um if that's the thing in this world why weren't they aware that that would happen because surely they were traveling using hyperspeed in the turnip how could they possibly have not been aware of it and not factored that into the plan were they traveling at hyperspeed and time dilation wasn't a thing do they have a way to shield against it and they're not be saying it or is the movie just pulling this right now out of its ass i think it's the latter um there's always the why he shouldn't have known in the first place that he was gonna miss some years uh in his uh attempt to perfect this hyperdrive or whatever they're calling it in this universe they should have known. They should have already been aware of the way everything works because they were already traveling. Like you said, I guess it's possible that the turnip had some protection against time dilation, but I'm not. They Why never explained that. Retrofitted that to his rocket as well. Yeah, and like even if that wasn't the case or anything, like. They have a lot of very clever people working for Star Command there. There's no, was there no scientist said, oh, what about time dilation? They're clearly familiar with the concept once they got back. Did they only learn about that in the last four years? Thought, hey, maybe this is why Buzz disappeared. But again, they never mentioned that. So he yeah. realizes he's missed a lot of things, including the fact that now Alicia has got a girlfriend. <laughs> Actually, no, it was his wife. Wife, sorry, wife. I think they're engaged when he gets back from the first trip. Oh, I'm sorry, engaged. That's good. I mean, I did not know this was going to be in the film, so I was very happy to see it. Finally, it's a good bit of representation that is in the background, and... 
that wasn't removed from the cut for foreign edits, except it was. Here's the whole horrid saga. You see, uh, okay, so it was removed for cuts for places like China, Malaysia, Middle Eastern countries, and so forth. Uh, but then Bob Chapek, in his infinite wisdom, decided to complain against the Don't Say Gay bill. And, which is good. He should have that, done that. Is that a thing? Don't Say Gay bill? In Florida. Oh, shit. We all forgot about that, didn't we? My dad but, lives in Florida. I should have known about that. He doesn't say gay. But basically saying, hey, you, you shouldn't be doing that. And then people turn the floodlights back on Disney and say, hey, didn't you have like a bunch of gay characters in your movies that you continually erase, downplay, or even remove from your films for homophobic countries? So this scene was put back in the movie, and I'm glad it was put yeah. back in, but I wish they had never taken it out in the first place. But because it was put back in, Bahrain, Egypt, Iraq, Jordan, Kuwait, Lebanon, Malaysia, Oman, Palestine, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Syria, and the United Arab Emirates, it was wow. not released in all of those countries. Wow. Uh, uh, because Ozudobu's character, Alicia, has not only has a, a female partner that she marries, but also a she, they share a kiss. And that also also sometimes, China. Believe it or not, sometimes couples do kiss. So, you know. I, I, again, it's the stupidest thing to get angry of. But then again, these this is how those co- countries operate. They are relentlessly and horrendously homophobic. So it's so nothing not surprising. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad, that, again, that the scene was kept in the movie. It's good. It's a positive step forward for representation. And it's really sweet. And it ties into the movie. And uh, I kind of wanted to learn a bit more about them as a couple. But that's not what the focus of the movie is. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with this representation. It's really good. In my opinion, bear in mind, I'm a cisgendered, straight, white man. Bearing that in mind. Same. But... Uh, again it just i really wish disney just showed an ounce of a spine and decided from the get-go we're not gonna remove the thing but why not like look i guess i guess companies like corporations like disney are just super super greedy and they need every single cent they can make but i'm thinking you're you're making enough money in all the progressive countries especially the states uh that you should you could just take a stand if you're going to go to the extent of put putting um interracial um homosexual couples together in your movies in the first place why not grow backbone and say if you want us to cut this scene you can't have our movie well because they want to have the cake and eat it too disney looks at china in particular like a hungry tiger looks at, like at a little bunny rabbit. It wants that market. It wants that market bad. And so they are willing to cut out any sort of remote rem- uh, mention, I don't know if anything even particularly gay in their movies, even the subtext thereof. Uh, and really said, if fully. Un- skin color? I mean, I, are I know there's a problem also, with that. Are well, they yeah. also racist on top of homophobic? Again, this is the thing you have to understand. Bigotry does not operate on logic, okay? And this is a form of bigotry. It's motivated financially, as you say, but it, again, it is a form of bigotry because when you side with bigots, you yourself are a bigot, if not by association. So, 
and, and this this is the thing. This is the thing. This is the thing is that they want to have it both ways. They want in Western audiences to right, show all the gay stuff they want, have pride parades in their theme parks, which is fantastic, and that's fine. I'm I'm good cool with that. But they also want to cater to homophobic countries and it's like no disney you need to pick a fucking side either you are with people good innocent people who are done nothing wrong and are celebrating their identity or you're with bigots and because of that backlash because of that backlash eventually they did decide you know what we will okay fine we'll stand with all the people that we said we sat side with and they put it back in the movie now that they've done that, they can't go back. They will try. They will try and go back and have it both ways again. They will try and have the cake and eat it too once more. But we cannot let them, and we will use this movie as precedent. I swear to God, by the time we get to the new decade, Elsa will have a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, Elsa, you're referencing Frozen. I've never seen it. <laughs> then you are a smarter man than I am. But despite the fact I've never seen it, I am familiar with... Do you want to build a snowman and let it go? Well, who isn't? That got pumped into our brains while we slept. Yeah, I think Ugh. so. God. Anyway, um, back, from, back, back from that part of Disney to this other part of Disney. We can't go on about that all the time. So uh, Buzz is uh, now realizing, oh, crap, I'm, I've missed four years. Oh, God. And then he gets given socks. Ah, oh, our baby. Socks is the best. The the thing about Socks is Socks can do anything. Socks is basically the Buzz Lightyear universe R2-D2. He can do everything that R2-D2 can do, and sometimes his head spins around while he's doing it. The best part about Socks is that he says his sound effects. Like, if he's... Meow, 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 meow. He can say meow, 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 meow. He says beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. He says... Like if he if he's got like a um, a, a screwdriver coming out of his tail when it does he says K-ch-ch-ch. like it's it he makes all these little sound effects he's great he's the best part of the movie far and away and he does I, I here's the thing he does not need to make those sound effects but I just think whoever programmed him programmed him to do that just as a joke and it's agreed. very funny agreed he doesn't need to at all he just does like yeah. it's just. Who he is, he's opted to make, he's opted to say meow, 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 meow. And it's so weird because he's like basically a therapy robot. He's there to help Buzz acclimatize and yet he can do all this extra stuff. It's so strange, but I don't mind at all. All Buzz needs, he like doesn't care about acclimating. All he cares is, is like, okay, well, can you fix this problem? And so as... Somebody who needs to make Buzz feel better, he's like, okay, well, I have to fix this problem. So then he becomes basically an astrophysicist. <laughs> yeah, and that that is honestly a good way of introducing that character and setting up what, who he is and what he can do. It works very, very well. And it leads into Buzz saying, okay, while you work on this whole fuel problem, I'm going to try to do hyperdrive again and again and again. And he ends, we then get a montage of him attempting it, failing it, and going back and seeing the people he loves grow old and age around him slowly and surely as he misses out on their lives and indeed his own life. Well, that was grim. 
It was grim. I thought it was super depressing. Like I'm watching it. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Why would you do this? Honestly, you're missing I, I, out on your whole life. You're missing out all your friends' lives. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I don't often do this, but when I was watching this, I got a little bit teary-eyed. Just a little bit. I didn't go full cry because as someone who was part English, I am not legally allowed to cry. Otherwise, they'll exile me to France. But it was a little bit of eye moisture. Just a little bit. Agreed. Then I realized, hang on a minute. This is Chris Evans' backstory and from fucking Captain America. Yes. Yes, he misses out on everybody's life. It's the same thing. Exactly. And he, here's the problem. Here's the problem, though. This is the second Pixar movie to do this kind of thing. In Onward, I don't know if you saw Onward, but in Onward, Chris Pratt's character has the same backstory as Star-Lord, his other character. I have not seen Onward, and now I have to go watch it. Well, no, he's not the same actor. He doesn't get kidnapped by aliens, but he's got like a problem with like a parent who died out of a, of a terminal illness in the hospital, and he's got traumatic memories of that, which is the same thing that happens in Guardians of the Galaxy. So yeah. it's just like, how have you done something <laughs> twice doubly? So you've not done it twice; you've done it quadruple. The people at Pixar clearly um, like messing with us. I hope they're messing with us because otherwise it's just poor storytelling because it's something that they know that we would know about and something that they would clearly know about, but nothing really clicked. And even if it is messing with us, it's not done in a tongue-in-cheek way because no, it's all very, very sad. It's played very sincerely. That's why I got a little bit teary-eyed because it was a montage showing how he's missing out on everything done really, really well. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't po-faced at all. It was very, very, well, it was a bit po-faced, but it was, it was, it was very serious in that regard. And yet it's the exact same thing that Captain America has. And then it, and then I got distracted by that by turning out that Alicia has died and she leaves him a final hollow message with her in a hospital right next to her granddaughter. And they do their French thing where they stick out their fingers like E.T. and say to infinity and the other one responds and beyond and it's made me cry. It's very, very sad. Oh, and um, then, it then it turns out that uh, the reason why she left this hollow message is because he Buzz goes into our office and we find it empty and we immediately think oh no and then he plays the hollow message oh no and it turns out she's dead well this is a kick in the knickers it, it's just oh god and and right when we're processing that, because it was so annoying, because I wanted to see more of this character. I wanted to learn more about her. I wanted to see her explore and grow along with Buzz. But I don't begrudge them killing the character off like this, because it works very well in this regard. His single-minded determination and his desire to fix his mistake ended up costing him his friendship. It's a really powerful idea. And it's immediately made not ruined, but kind of annoying when this new character, Burnside, just wanders in acting like an absolute twat badger. It... Yeah, no, he was definitely made to be a um, antagonist, but if in the reality of it, he was kind of right. Buzz has been doing this for like 40 years now, long enough for Alicia to have a kid who grew up and had a kid, right? Like, I, I, I'm sorry, but the, the definition of insanity is trying yeah. the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. This guy was like, look, I'm in charge now and we're not playing this game anymore. Definitely an antagonist, but 
logically speaking, he was in the right. Logically speaking, yeah, I agree. But here's the problem. When new information comes up, he chooses to ignore it. And this is the problem. It seems to like he's treads the line between being an antagonist that's actually in the right or an antagonist for the sake of having an antagonist. Not even like the main antagonist, just the holdover antagonist until the big main baddie comes along. That's and true. it's just like, why is this guy such a raging douche? Couldn't it be seen as somewhat... Uh, reasonable and it's like that's that that makes buzz's single-minded determination thrown into much greater focus but no he just comes across as a just a bit of an asshole and i don't why and here's the thing here's the thing uh, i get it i could understand him saying like we're just gonna hunker down and live our lives here because we've been living our lives here and you haven't fine fair enough laser shield always really into that why is he so opposed to buzz keeping on trying he never gives a good reason as to why we can't on as a side product continue the hyperspace if it was a question of money or resources or... i think it was resources think about it they got he never says that he never says that that's true he if he had said that look we can either we now are at a critical moment we can either build our lives for ourselves or invest further resources into something that we have no confidence in working we're going with this plan a business and if they said that, that would make him even more reasonable and maybe would have justified his douchebaggery a little bit. Maybe he could have said, you know what? Yeah, we're having lives here, but we don't really have much of a choice because remember, who stranded us here in the first place? Oh yeah, it was you. I'm not your friend, okay? I had a... I was about to say I had a life before this, but he probably wouldn't because he's too young to have a life. So this plan would have been all he would have known. So That's right. Maybe he had been working his whole life for the laser shield. Exactly, yeah, and and there's, there's, there was potential for some really interesting dynamic, and if they kept this character around for longer, him having play back and forth was sort of like a no one's really wrong and no one's really right scenario, that could have been really interesting, but no, what we get is Buzz goes rogue, with little to no convincing, it seems kind of antithetical to his character, but whatever, again, single-minded determination, okay, that's fine, and he... Uh, Socks has managed to create a stabilized hyperdrive fuel. Okay, cool. But oh no, they broke the computer, so now they can't remake the fuel. I saw that plot point coming from a mile off, and also it's like, does Socks not remember the formula? Right, he's a robot, so he shouldn't really be very forgetful. I, I just like I don't think the computer was what they needed, but anyway, uh, so. They steal the fuel. Buzz steals socks. Great dynamic duo, by the way. Obviously, more chemistry than he and Woody had. But anyway, yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't think he liked Woody at first. Well, I think it was more case of Woody didn't like him. But I think he was oh, yeah. just sort of apathetic to him. But he definitely didn't like him later on. But he eventually does. Steal, he steals the hyperdrive ship and goes up. Is successful in completing the hyperdrive. And then it's revealed that he time is now advanced by 22 years. Right, because he okay. went even faster. Yeah. So, with that, after 22 oh. years, what's he going to find on the planet? What was that? Oh, so yeah, when he gets back and he meets uh, what, Alicia's granddaughter. I can't remember her name, but here's my big question. Where was everybody else? There's his little group, right? He's got three people with him and socks. Where was everybody else? They had thousands of people at one point. Well, they're all in the uh, the 
main base. What do you mean? Oh, they were outside of the the laser shield, I guess. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I, yeah. I feel like they must have some sort of transportation. They never leave the the confines of the the laser shield. Well, no, because they got all the hostile alien plant life and bugs out there. So they're sticking with that. But they got like this one outpost for like the training of the new Zap soldiers or whatever. They are. And right. that's why all those people are there. And we are going to get into all of that. Before we do that, it's time for some more ads. Honestly, we spoil you with these things. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So he gets back to the planet and then is immediately tackled by Kiki Palmer, Izzy Hawthorne, Alicia's granddaughter, who is a perfectly fine character. She's fine. She's fine. No, no. She's fine. She's absolutely fine. She's just fine. I like the way you put that. She is um, a little, I'd call her average not even average i like average has its own negative connotations it's just, this is a perfectly serviceable character that they tried to make endearing to us and did not fail but the problem is she's got to follow alicia that's the main problem i feel without alicia in this character if this was the only member of the hawthorne family that we'd seen in this movie i'd like this character fine but she has to follow alicia who's cool and confident and sassy and we saw her grow and develop over many years briefly and build a life for herself we've got this big emotional attachment to her because it's just come from a really sad scene and now we've got a granddaughter who we know next to nothing about and it's like starting from scratch except we're quite a way into the movie by this point right it and there's nothing wrong with the character. She's fine, but she has to follow her grandmother, and that's what stops her from reaching her full potential, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely that classic um, trying to fill the shoes of your predecessor vibe. And as you mentioned, we're we're at least halfway through, if not maybe three-quarters through the movie at this point by the time we meet... Um, What's her name? I keep forgetting her name. That's that's Izzy. the thing. Was it Izzy? Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. And same with the the other two, the um the tall French kind of guy and the uh sassy stocky broad. He was uh, French. Was he French? No, he, he was Taika Watiti. The exact opposite of being French. What do I know? From New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have French people in New Jersey? Of course you don't. What am I saying? Uh, no. <laughs> well, that, that's the th- that's the. We'll get to those characters in a second. Right now, he has to deal with the fact that um, 
he's been tagged by this character who seems pretty confident at first, but later, but later is revealed to actually not really know what she's doing. And it's just like, okay, this is thing called, um, uh, not what, what's it called? It's lying through the, the narrative. Essentially. This is a problem that frozen had. I know we haven't seen frozen, but let me just put it this way. There's a point in the film where a bad guy is later on revealed to be a bad guy before he's revealed to be a bad guy he does something that makes it seem like he's actually a good guy but it's done in a vacuum when no one's around when he obviously wouldn't act that way and in this thing they sort of lying to us in a similar way because they have this character being really cool and really capable initially but then as soon as they move away from the evil robots and we'll get to the evil robots in just a second uh, it's revealed that actually she mainly doesn't know what she's doing. And it's just like, well, then how is she able to do all that other stuff? Like, what? Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a problem. It's inconsistency. It is a bit of an inconsistency. Well, it's more than inconsistency, because if it was deliberate on the part of the filmmakers to almost trick us, and I don't like that. I don't like being tricked, film. Okay. I am no one's sucker. But anyway, <laughs> she saves him from a bunch of robots who all say Zerg. Actually, it seems like it sounds like they kind of say the Zerg. And I mainly was when I saw them do that, I thought, oh, hello. This is a long way into the movie for them to be introducing just now, but um Okay, fine, sure. Okay, this is this will be pretty cool. And it's revealed that uh, the bunch of robots are attacking the turnip and all the base and all that for some reason. I'm not sure if that was ever explained why, but not. that that that's what in they're fact, doing. It seems in- entirely contradictory at the end when we find out who's controlling the Zerps. Uh, it seems totally counterproductive. Oh, yeah. But we'll get to that. Then uh, she, she basically says, hey, so, oh, you're Buzz Lightyear. My grandmother told me about you. Your grandmother. Wait, your little Izzy, who I saw in that hollow recording. Oh, all grown up. There's nothing wrong with this. But again, she's fine. And basically, uh, she takes him to uh, this sort of outpost, which includes uh, Mo Morrison, played by Taika Waititi. For no real reason. I have no problem with Taika Waititi. I love Taika Waititi. He's a great voice actor and a great actor and a great director and all this, all this stuff. I feel like this character could be played by a bunch of other different people. It doesn't really feel like something that I would immediately scream Taika Waititi. But anyway. But tell you what I, I really do like. I really, really like this other character named Darby Steele, played by uh, Dale Sules? Sules? I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with her, but yeah, she- She's on Orange and the New Black, but anyway, she's fucking oh, that's awesome. Right. That's who she is. She's great. Uh, yeah, I like the character, but again, I felt like those characters could have been introduced a little bit earlier in the movie yeah. so that we could relate with them a little bit more by the end. And I was worried, like, okay, they're introducing these characters, so they're going to be very, very quick and very rushed and reintroducing these characters and telling us what the whole deal is actually they take their sweet time and if anything that makes it even more annoying i kind of just wish we could have known who these characters are and what they're about right away but they spend quite a bit of time admittedly stretched out over the rest of the movie telling us 
you know who they are and what their deal is right. except for again uh darby because her sort of backstory is led to be a little bit mysterious she's on parole she was put in prison for an undisclosed crime and it turns out she knows a lot about weaponry this is fucking cool yeah that part was cool and i think did they say something about what their crime was at the end? I think it was something to do with weapons. Stealing a ship. Oh, stealing uh, but, a ship. But even then, vague on the motivations and the context, which I like. And she says right next to Buzz, who earlier in the movie stole a ship. And he's like, oh, well, I'm glad you don't do that anymore. Oh, God. Yes, I get it. Um, but the thing is, she keeps saying, oh, I'm not allowed to touch a weapon because of my uh, parole. Eventually, they're like, forget your role, grab a uh, parole, gra- grab a weapon. And then she's like, you know, a Rambo style with the with the guns. She's like, da 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 you know, really good with Trying to get your gun. Yeah. She's, she's Hawkeye. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's pretty cool. But the problem is, before we get to all that, we've got to do a whole thing. It's like, oh, they're the rejects, the B team. They're <gasps> rookies. Bum, Not bum, rookies. Bum. No, because famously, Buzz does not like those. He does not like rookies. And I just like, oh God, I knew it. I knew the whole movie would be about this. And sadly, that's what the whole movie is about from now on. For the most part, most of the character development centers around Buzz learning to work with these people. I say learning, for the most part, he's pretty successful in not working with them because they continually fuck things up. Honestly, I'm kind of on his side. Yeah, there was like a reoccurring theme where people would just not listen to the end of somebody's sentence. And so they would make a horrible mistake because they literally just wouldn't wait one extra second for somebody to finish their sentence. It, was, it kept happening over and over. Like, uh, maybe that's why he doesn't like rookies, but I think he also does the same mistake as well at one point. Yeah, but I think they put that in to make it look like it was even-handed. And you know what a better way to do that would be? Have him be confident and have them be competent. And just because they lack experience doesn't mean that they can't be, you know, good at what they do. But no, they ended up learning of their individual strengths later on. Well, I say that. Izzy and Mo get their strengths built up later on. Darby was strong right from the beginning. She was just like, I can't do this thing because of parole. We don't right. care. Okay, then great. ka Let's go Rambo on these mothers. Yes, it's- Exactly. It's hard. I don't, I, it's just, oh God. I just keep on thinking like, I would much prefer to be him fighting all these robots with Alicia. Like that would be so much more fun. And that's basically what the next good chunk of the movie is. Them going from point to point, trying to get stuff to enact Operation Surprise Attack because they need to go up to the Zerg ship to surprise destroy party. it. She says surprise Operation party. Surprise Party a dozen times. Yeah, like like it's this really clever joke that we're supposed to laugh every single time and it's just like, it's, it's not that funny. Like, no. here's an idea. It'd be funny if it was like a really long, overly complicated, unnecessarily long, like, if this is like Operation Mega Ultimate Dynamite Omega Surprise Party X11 12 13 slash gonna kill all damn bitches. Operation or something like that, and she's and and Buster's just like, yeah, that's way too long. You need to shorten that. That would be funny, but no, it's just like surprise party. Yeah, wow, I am rolling in the aisles. I'm I'm not sure if maybe the joke was that by the time they actually get up there, she said it so many times that it is clearly no longer a surprise. 
Yeah, but that has the... That's not funny, though, because that just means they've worn the joke down and it wasn't even funny to begin with. So it's gone from... Instead of going from being funny to being annoying, it's gone from not being funny to being annoying, which is like, why does this even exist in the first place? But we don't need to get hung up on that. They already mentioned it too many times. We don't need to add to that. And honestly, I want to talk about these next few scenes, but honestly, there's not that much to talk about. They just go from point to point, mucking stuff up, trying to fix stuff. The most we get out of it is that we find out that in the Space Ranger suits, which they all manage to get their own versions of, they've got a pen in them. Why do they have a pen in them? Why are they writing things in space? Why do they not have, like, the touchscreen computer things? Why would they need a pen? What Space Ranger needs a pen? Do they need to sign for something when they're in space? Is is it to do their crossword puzzle while they're in between missions? Why do they have a pen in the suit? That's valid. The character was really excited about the pen, and he's able to use it uh, in the most random of ways. Maybe their pen, their spacesuit pen is just cool because it can write in space. Okay. Or novelty. Fine. I, I have no objection to the pen. I just wish what for they some need goddamn for? context. What, even, what exactly are even, they going to be using it for? And here's the thing, here's the thing. It's annoying because this whole joke thing is juxtaposed with another joke at the same time that is actually quite funny because they've got a new kind of sandwich in now in the future from Buzz's perspective where it's like meat, bread, and then extra meat. And they really like it, but Buzz doesn't really like it. And it's just like, that's clever. That's funny. That works because they give context for that. And it's like, yeah, but here's why this newfangled sandwich works. And like, we don't think it works but it makes perfect sense to them and they can explain and justify it and so that makes it funny why couldn't they do that with the rest of this movie um it probably was too much effort for them uh yeah <laughs> they came with this one joke and then they just said okay we, they spent like a day working on this joke and they raised oh shit we're supposed to come up with like 20 other jokes uh this do we want to provide additional context no every other but joke they- comes up in five minutes um yeah. The pen, I'm still stuck on the pen. I think it's cool to have a pen that would write in space, but I am trying to figure out what exactly they would have to write for. What would they write? Because they've got all those computer screens, like, built into the suit. Like, Buzz flips up his thing, and that's got a computer screen on there for him to, you know, put stuff... Again, it's just... It feels weird. It feels weird. It's like having a hammer and a chisel right next to a 3D printer. Right. It... I, I I I don't get it. I do yeah. not get it. But anyway, um, okay. And so then Mo accidentally, when they're taking a break to recover, he bumps into Socks, and suddenly it becomes very dramatic because Socks appears to be unresponsive. He's like, "Oh no, I've killed Socks," and then Socks is fine. Like two seconds later. But it's like, "Oh my god, I nearly destroyed Socks because I accidentally bumped into him," and I'm just like. This is not a dramatic moment movie. And even if it was, he just accidentally bumped slightly into him. If that slight bumping is enough to kill Socks, like not even halfway through the movie, in this random thing, like, that's a very poorly designed psychoanalyst robot cat thing. Yeah, if that was enough to kill him, he probably would have been destroyed at some point over the 40 years that Buzz was up and down out of space. Could have fallen off a table and just, you know cracked in half 
Yeah. And the sad thing is we already got that moment of concern for Socks earlier in the movie. The reason, the thing that precipitates Bus stealing the hyperdrive ship is because that he's told that Socks is going to be taken away from him and deactivated and he's grown attached over the few days that he's technically known him from his perspective. <laughs> I think I've just, I've actually just contradicted my own point. Oh, crap. But still, uh, no, I've grown a little has... bit attached grown attached to him but also socks had the information he needed right that is true actually yeah that is true but we as the audience felt concerned for socks at least so i'll give the movie that credit okay that's I think not too the bad. audience is way more concerned for socks than buzz is Buzz at least at that really, point doesn't really care about socks at least until later on he's just using him as a tool to accomplish his mission which is fine there's nothing wrong with that but he, he went back for Socks because Socks had that information on the hyperdrive and not because he was like, he might have been a little sad that they were going to deactivate him. Maybe a little bit. Maybe. Uh, but anyway, they escape from that scenario, go to another scenario. Basically, uh, Zerg now shows up and he's like, Buzz, come with me. And he's like, wait, what? But then they fight him off. They're getting chased by all the robots. Darby's blowing shit up. It's pretty cool. But then Buzz gets transported up to the Zerg ship by a bunch of teleporting. Turns out Zerg's been after him this whole time. It's like, why? Are we going to do the whole father reveal thing like it was done in Toy Story 2? Side note in Toy Story 2, they did this whole uh, Star Wars ripper thing where the evil Emperor Zerg said to Buzz, I am your father. It's... Oh, that's very original. But here's the thing, that was followed up by a really funny scene of him and Zerg playing catch. Just ah. like, oh, that's my boy. Oh, you're a great dag, Emperor Zerg. Like, it was kind of funny. Although that is kind of funny. They did the same thing in Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2, didn't they? Yeah, but this time it was purely played for jokes, and they did it first. But here's the thing, here's the thing. I actually read when I was a kid, for reasons I do cannot explain, the novelization of Toy Story 2. Now, when you make a novelization, often you're doing it at the same time as the movie is being made, so you can release it when it gets released for all the kids, because you're marketing tie-ins. And so often at times, uh, script, uh, sorry, writers for novelizations of films are working off incomplete or earlier drafts of films, which I didn't know at the time, which is so it's kind of traumatizing for me to read in the novelization of Toy Story 2 that Zerg dies and... This other version of Buzz, this other toy of Buzz, it makes more sense if you see in the movie, ends up saying like, oh no, my father's dead. Now I'm going to take him and I'm going to bury him. And he walks away slowly and that's the last we see of that character. Oh no. Well, it's... It was pretty fucking dark. I don't know if that was just an, an idea of the original idea of the person who wrote that novelization or if it was again as i said in an earlier draft of the film they realized oh that's a bit dark let's change it so they're having fun but it is a little bit dark it is a little bit dark but here's the thing i think i actually read the novelization first before i saw the film and so it was kind of weird to read that first and then go and see the film only to get the the much light-hearted version just like I don't know what to feel now. Right. Right. I'm sure it left you a little bit confusing. Yeah. Um, almost as confusing as what they actually do with Zerg in this film. Nice segue. Because, oh God, it's, it's revealed that there's a person inside Zerg's suit and it's an older version of Buzz Lightyear. And that's when I got mad. 
Oh, good Simpsons reference right there. Oh, God. So, again, this is a starts for a reference to Toy Story 2 because it revealed that Zerg is Buzz's father, yeah, yeah. And when he first sees him, he's like, Dad? But it's like, no, I'm you from the future. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God. They copied Chris Pratt again because this is the same plot point that they used in the Lego Movie 2 with an older, more evil version of him. Oh, my goodness. da da I mean, da I mean, again, that's a problem that's been done lots of different times. Look at any episode from uh, Star Trek where they go to the Mirror Universe or something like that. But, yeah, again, the fact that there's two connections to Chris Pratt in this movie is frankly two more than I needed. It's... He's everywhere. Oh, God. And so, uh, first of all, like, maybe old Buzz isn't going to turn out to be evil. No, he turns out to be evil. Turns out he's from an alternate timeline where he went back to the planet after conducting the hyperspace trip, was about to get arrested, flew up, went into hyperdrive again, and went to the far, far reaches of the future, found a bunch of alien technology just hanging around, and then decided to come back to the present to wipe out the timeline, go back and uh, basically... Uh, Stop them from landing on the planet in the first place, I think. Yeah, and... <sighs> right, so his plan is to wipe out the whole timeline, which means that everybody would be erased. So, like, Alicia had gotten married, had a kid who grew up, had a grandkid, and then that kid is now his partner or friend or whatever, and all that those generations would be completely wiped out of existence, like a Thanos snap, right? Yeah, which coincidentally, Thanos is the son of uh, this actor, because uh, old Buzz is played by James Brolin, the father of Josh Brolin. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I've never heard I, of him. I, I think he's the father of. Is he the father of? Yeah, he's the father of Josh Brolin. And I, I wonder first, when I heard his voice, I was just like, is that Josh Brolin? Turns out, no, it's James Brolin. They've got kind of similar voices. His whole shtick is... Life is good, but it can be better. And Buzz is just like, yeah, but like, we've got people there, as you say, families, maybe, you know, we shouldn't mess with time anymore. Right, you don't want to wipe these people out of existence. And... And Venice Buzz says, hey, they'll never know the difference. But he just refused to compromise. And that's what makes him evil. And I just kind of hated that. Because it's just him being evil for the sake of being evil. There's no compromise. There's no him being slightly conflicted. There's no acknowledgement of the fact that, yeah, that sucks for some people. But it's, again, I get it. He's been old and lonely for so long now. And he can't let go of his mistakes. But Jesus, you could have thrown some sort of twist in there. Maybe the evil alien technology corrupted him somehow, messed with his mind somewhat. Well, uh, maybe he's actually been controlled controlled by the robots or a different version of Zerg, the actual Zerg. But no, he's just evil for the sake of being evil. And we've seen it a million times before. And at that point, I just lost patience with the movie. They'd struck out too many times for me. Right. The, the way I saw it, though, his evil is just from the narrow-mindedness. Throughout the movie, they keep saying the mission, the mission. It's all about the mission. And I guess in his mind now, his mission is still to get those people home, quote-unquote, home. 
And so if they never but land we on We don't the... know anything about that home. We don't That's know what true. ties them to it. We never saw it. We don't know what it's like there. We don't know what they missed out. Does Buzz have a family? Does Alicia have a family? All those other people, that one character, Diaz? Like, what, what are they missing out on? We, we, we don't know any of it. And it seems like everybody else is more than accepted the fact that they live on this planet now. Like, it's been what, 40 years? They've been on this planet. We've gone through generations already. Everybody else is okay with it. He wants to get back and he's all about his mission. So I guess in his mind, evil old Buzz is just, if I erase the entire timeline, make sure we don't crash on this planet in the first place, then we'll get home and I will have completed my mission, which is evil. Bullshit. I mean, I mean, yeah. let me tell you. From I can speak from personal experience when I say messing with time travel does you no favors. Really, but <laughs> I tried to destroy the Disney Corporation, ended up wiping Marvel from the face of the earth. But then I went back even further, ended up creating an accidental dystopian future version of the world that was ruled by this crazy like hater guy. But it, that's a whole story. Uh, painful, painful memories. God, I hope right. something like that doesn't happen this Halloween again. But anyway. Uh, so Buzz and all Buzz have a fight. The other cadets, rookies, whatever you want to call them, manage to get on there. Oh, it turns out Izzy has space phobia. Right, right, which is certainly ironic, at least. Um, she's supposed to be a space ranger with space phobia. I think we've seen this before. It's a good example of this. Um, God, I can't think of one now, but I feel like we've had, I've seen something where the irony of, the very thing that you're supposed to be doing is your greatest fear. Okay, so Ace Ventura 2, he's scared of bats. That's right. all I can think of. And honestly, I struggle even to come up with that thing because when I saw that, at this point of the movie, honestly, I was just like, here's me on the scale of caring. I'm at zero. Don't care. I could not care less. You're slipping from fine, Izzy. You're slipping. But anyway, um, they have a big old fight. And... Here's the thing. Earlier in the film, we saw Buzz like using laser machetes and even guns. And I was kind of surprised they did that. But then later on, they show him getting like a, a, an attachment for his right, suit. The, the laser. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought, that's kind of cool. Then I thought, um, why are we building up to him getting his arm laser and then assuming later on his wings? Why couldn't he have had those from the beginning? The whole time, right? Because we, we care mainly about the character development, but we want to see Buzz in his element, flying around, shooting things, but no, they leave that pretty much to the end. And there I don't begrudge is. them for doing that. There's nothing wrong with them doing that, but it would have been kind of cool to see that from the beginning. Maybe parts of them get damaged, and he has to fix them as they go along, or something. I don't know if you're really that concerned in terms of plot-wise, because him flying is too big of a deal-breaker. I don't know. But the whole, the whole point of this, there's so much going on. This ending seems so padded. We've already gone through a lot of stuff in these first two acts, especially in the first act, in fairness. But this third act, not a ton happens, but the little that does happen takes so long to happen. The big fight between him and Zerg, the rookies infiltrating onto the ship and trying to get to Buzz and stopping the other robots. All of this just goes on way too long. The pacing gets thrown out of the window and I was just like, can this movie please end? Please! Yeah, actually, me too. I was getting bored at the end of it. Um, it's like, okay, I get it. They're going to win and 
oh, look, he's going to start a new, um, like, oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I mean, this is my here's my perspective on it. I can happily watch a three hour film if the pacing is good, but I struggle to watch a film that's even an hour and twenty minutes if the pacing is bad. The worst example I've ever seen, and this movie is nowhere near this bad, but the worst example I've ever seen is Fanforstic. The Fantastic Four reboot. Oh god, it was horrible. The wait wait, which one? There's been a lot. You oh, about- oh yeah, yeah. The latest Fantastic Four reboot, the one with the fucking abusive director Josh Trank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. It's really bad. It's very shame. Uh, it's very sad that they really can't get that movie right. Fantastic Four is a great comic because none of them understand what they. Honestly, ironically, the thing that understood the Fantastic Four the most was the original, made for insurance purposes, Roger Corman film. The half. Was it Roger Corman or Harvey? I can never remember if it's Roger Corman or Harvey Corman. Is this the one where uh, Jessica Alba is in? No, before that in the 90s. Okay, so here's the thing. Oh, that's right, the one in the 90s, yeah. Yeah, so that movie that was made purely for like legal reasons and wasn't even released, and they didn't tell the actors it wasn't going to be released, and they were really disappointed afterwards. I can imagine why. The movie is still crap, but it kind of understood the Fantastic Four's whole deal. Not sure how I feel about. I have not said. I definitely know how I feel about Reed Richards being super older than Sue Storm and him knowing her when she was a little kid and he was already a grown man. Yeah, that's Jesus not normal. Christ, Jesus! Even in the nineties, that was weird. But anyway, yeah. oh god. So this ending seems padded. They fight with Zerg. They finally manage to escape, and Buzz sacrifices the hyperdrive fuel to get them back to the planet safely seemingly killing zerg his older incarnation and then they get back to the planet and burnside is just like rah, 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 you guys did rah, 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 rah. but it was damn good flying and it's just like even though i should totally arrest you and throw you all up on contention charges i'm gonna give you everything you want i'm gonna reenact the space rangers and you're gonna be the universe protection division hey remember that from the original movie yeah and it's like okay this is fine couple of things one why did you change your mind about arresting him two why does he want to reenact the space come space rangers like what purpose does that serve for his purposes and three like just, uh, context explain yourself i'm fine with you arriving at these conclusions if you explain how you got to these conclusions show your fucking working movie right uh they got to those conclusions because it was the end of the movie oh what yeah what we're, what we're left with more or less um, he doesn't give any explanation as to why he suddenly changed his mind. Maybe he's had 22 years since they last met. Maybe he changed his mind. Maybe he came around to it. Maybe he wants to enact the Space Rangers to help protect this planet and rebuild Star Command. Maybe that was his whole plan from the beginning, but Buzz left before he could explain it to him. Right. Uh, may, uh, maybe he was impressed with the fact that Buzz saved everyone from Zerg at the end of it all. But And he sort of like changed his mind because of that. But not even that. We could have had one sentence within saying, I have come to this conclusion because of X, Y, and Z. Boom. And that was fine. You don't need to go on and on about it. You don't need to belabor the point. I know I said show, don't tell. But if you're going to tell something, actually tell it. Don't just mention it briefly offhand and assume whether we are mind readers and are on board for the ride because we're not. Ugh. 
Agreed. And, and so Buzz says, I am going to start the Space Rangers. Sure, absolutely. But my first recruits aren't going to be any of these mindless, faceless drones. I'm going to pick these three. Because even though they fucked up a bunch, they managed to pull it together by the end. Sure. And they get all the brand new, shiny new suits. And then they immediately start going to this other random planet that we know nothing about. That they have no real context for knowing anything about. And that's the end of the movie. Or is it? Because then we get a post credit scene of Burnside in his sipping coffee in his office where then suddenly a bug floats into the laser shield and he's like, ha, laser shield. And it's just like, that's not funny. I don't like this character. And he's even if really I did like this character, that's shield. not funny. But then we get an actual post credit scene, which admittedly I left the theatre by that point because I didn't think there was going to be one. But I found out later on there is a post credit scene of Zerg floating through space only to find out that he's actually alive. JK, not dead, lol. <laughs> Again, I don't care. I I. <laughs> They I, I, have to do that so that in case they decide to do a sequel later, they can have a lead-in. But they could also just end it right there. You know what? I don't want a single. Do you know what I want? A Woody the Cowboy film. I knew you were going to say that. Yep. I, I, <laughs> I think everyone knew I was going to say Western. that. Let's get a Western going. I'm okay with it. I don't think Pixar have ever done a Western. That would That would be really cool i mean admittedly they can't do the whole format like they did think because woody is based on like a 1950s tv show uh but they they don't have to justify it in fairness it was nice that they justified it in this movie but they didn't have to do that they could just say this is a reimagining of a concept and boom here you go and they could just give us a cool slick woody the cowboy movie bring tom hanks no not even back to bring back tom hanks bring back someone who sounds a bit like tom hanks colin hanks i don't know but yeah, I, Robert Downey Jr. Maybe. Ooh, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> just, I'm just saying. I'm just thinking about the actors here. You know, I was about to do a Robert Downey Jr. impression of him saying "You are a toy," but I can't do a Robert Downey Jr. impression, so I decided not to. I will never even attempt a RDJ impersonation. That would be insulting. I am Woody the Cowboy. And yeah, it's it's yeah, that's uh, that's Lightyear. Now we're going to talk about our final thoughts in just a second, but before we do, here are some ads. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, here are my final thoughts. This is a movie that ran out of something. I don't know whether it was money or time or ideas or all of the above, but it ran out of something because that becomes, it starts off so strong and continues strong, but then suddenly the strength ebbs away. And by the end, I was glad it was over and I should be left wanting more. And I don't want to see any more of this. And that's a big disappointment. It is a little disappointing. Um, I think what they ran out of 
was creativity. Um, like you said, there's a lot of stuff that just left was left unexplained. However, uh, I think also this movie was geared for people a little bit younger than us or a lot younger than us. Um, like I said, everybody under 15 or 14 or whatever seemed to love the movie. Um, and maybe, you know, that that's... You just have to take it for that. It's it's a kid's movie. But at the same time, there are other kids' movies that are so much better. Yeah, and who do provide additional context and are not patronizing to their audience and are willing to explain things. Not overly. Don't I don't need an exposition dump. I don't want that. That's the other extreme. But for God's sake, you can take a moment to either tell or better yet show us things that we need to know that can provide additional context and when the movie does that it works really well like i I don't want to say that this is a bad movie because it isn't this is not a bad movie by a long stretch of the imagination but here's the thing it currently has a rotten tomato score of 77 percent, and frankly i believe that for pixar that's quite low yeah but um that does not make it bad it is not bad. If someone said, should I take my kid to see this film? I would say, absolutely. They'll have a great time. If yeah. someone was a big fan of Buzz Lightyear and Toy Story and they said, should I go see this movie? I'd say, absolutely. Maybe temper your expectations a little bit, but it's worth your time. I'm glad I saw this film, but I just wish they had stuck the landing because it's less to infinity and beyond and more to just a little bit before infinity. And you know what? I'm a bit tired. Let's not go to beyond. Let's just go and have a snack or something. It's... <laughs> It's disappointing, which is not the same as bad, because a really great ice cream sundae can still be disappointing if you expected more whipped cream with nuts and you got less than the desired amount of whipped cream and nuts. Does not make it bad. Still an ice cream sundae, but that's not what you were expecting. And, you know, my expectations are not the film's fault, but this is Pixar. I think we've gotten used to a certain degree of quality from them. Uh, fucking Turning Red. I didn't even mention Turning Red earlier. That was a fucking amazing film. I think people had even less expectations for that. And maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe it's because they had a completely new concept that was written by someone. It was not autobiographical. It was barely even semi-autobiographical was Turning Red. But it was still really, really good. And because it came from a sense of authenticity. Whereas this... I imagine all the people making it were big fans of Toy Story and Buzz Lightyear, and they had lots of different ideas, but at the same time, uh, I think with Turning Red, and again, I'm just making a lot of assumptions here, there are only certain directions where that story would go. So they decided, let's focus on what would work to make the story work properly. Whereas with Lightyear, you could make any kind of story from a Buzz Lightyear story, whether it be an origin story or a day in life story, anything like that. And I know that because that's what the cartoon did. It showed a lot of different stories focused around Buzz Lightyear and his friends, all of which were slightly more interesting and colorful and wacky and a little bit fun and silly than this movie was. And I don't think it's fair to compare the two because they are very different stylistically. But at the same time, we could have gotten so much more out of this and we didn't. And so that is, unfortunately, that has branded it as a disappointment. Right. Any final thoughts from you? Um, My final thoughts are very much along the same lines as yours. I don't, I I, I wouldn't go around, um, you know, 
uh, ragging on the movie. It wasn't bad. I think it was geared towards children a little bit more. Uh, I wish they would have explained a few more things. You, you know, talk about Pixar. It was only about a year ago or two that they came out with Soul, which I thought was a brilliant movie. Uh, I'm a little biased because I love jazz music, but it felt like... Well, who doesn't? Right. Um, I felt like they just fell short on, as you said, expectations. We, we, we could have been... Things could have been explained a little bit better. There could have been a little bit more of a succinct story and plot line where it's kind of just some things that happened until the very end and then you have that you know final uh you know battle scene which is great with zerg or whatever he's fighting himself the old buzz versus the new buzz there's even the old socks and the young socks but apparently oh yeah but apparently socks stays consistently a good robot the entire time even though older buzz goes evil you know what would have been a really great twist? If Socks turned out to be evil. If Socks was the mastermind of the whole thing, that would have made an amazing movie. If somehow the older cyborg-looking uh, Socks with the glowy eye was really the mastermind of the entire thing, he had warped uh, Buzz's mind to become uh, Zerg that would have made an amazing movie because nobody would have seen that coming. I wouldn't have seen that coming. I, mean, I might have guessed at a little point. I thought one point in the film, I did think, ooh, what of this? But uh, again, they didn't build no up to that. So I was distracted by other things like that. I just, I can just imagine that right now. It's just like, I was programmed to help people. But who helps me? Well, now I help me. Right. I am my own best friend. <laughs> that would have been great. But who knows? Like you said, maybe we'll see something else in the future, or maybe they'll take a different Toy Story toy and make them a uh, prequel as well. well. Finally, we will see the origin of Ham. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> but on that note, I think we're going to end the show. Thank you so much, Craig, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, happy to come back anytime, uh, especially if you want to talk Star Wars, Star Trek, or Ninja Turtles. I do like talking about those things, so we'll see what comes up in the future. We have a glut of Star Wars stuff coming our way. Uh, you know what? Maybe when the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is finished. Think about that would that. be great. I'm loving that show. But if you enjoy the show, Capers, please tell your friends, shout it from the rooftops! And if you haven't already, go back and listen to some of our other super episodes, like previous uh, Disney stuff that we've done in the past. We've done so many. It's a bit of a topic of mine and you can listen to the show on itunes youtube spotify amazon music or a podcapers.com if you want to get in touch with us suggest show topics or maybe come on the show yourself you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram at ap2hyc thank you very much to dan harris for our logo the lovely microphone the red and blue 3d glasses those are mine and thank you for listening this has been podcapers the official podcast for a place to hang your cape we're back baby cue the music